Since 2017, the Italian Wine Podcast has exploded, recently hitting 6 million listens. Support us by buying a copy of Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 or making a small donation. In return, we'll give you the chance to nominate a guest and even win lunch with Stevie Kim and Professor Attilio Scienza. Find out more at italianwinepodcast.com. Chin chin. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Listen in as we journey to some of Italy's most beautiful places in the company of those who know them best, the families who grow grapes and make fabulous wines. Through their stories, we'll learn not just about their wines, but also about their ways of life, the local and regional foods and specialities that pair naturally with their wines, and the most beautiful places to visit. We have a wonderful journey of discovery ahead of us, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Today, it's my great pleasure to welcome to the show a fellow wine communicator and my good friend, Brad Horn. Brad is the founder of Wine Time London, and on this platform, he communicates, educates, entertains on all subjects relating to wine. Brad is a presenter and host of Wine Social Live on IGTV, and he's regularly asked to be a judge at various wine competitions. Welcome, Brad. Thanks so much for being my guest today. How are you? Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me. Um, super excited to be on the show. I've obviously been an avid listener of the Italian Wine Podcast and this show, so really pleased to, to get the call up to be on the show. Well, I'm delighted to have you, and I'm glad you're you're an avid listener. That's always good to hear. Brad, tell me, your mates must think you have the absolute best job in the world. Tell us a bit about your background, what you did in the past, and how you actually got into wine. Well, it's, it's, a, it's everyone's story. This is one of the questions I love to ask, Mark, people's entry into wine and how you got into it. Leaving school, I was actually an engineer, networking and electrical engineer. So I used to stroll the streets of London looking after big hotels and their networking and printer and IT demands. So a very different background. Um, so, But actually, that got me to meet a lot of people in the wine industry. So from Soms, from chefs, from people at wine tastings, and I happened to upon a few wine journalists and started, they said, Brad, why don't you come and try this? They met me a few times and I started to drink wine and taste wine with these guys. And they said, Brad, you've got a pretty good nose and a pretty good palate. And actually you can communicate well about it. So why don't you jump in? So that's how it started as a passion project from something completely different but to, to now, Mark. That's incredible. I'm just wondering, Brad, if that background in electronics and IT made it a natural progression to use new media that you're using so effectively to communicate, you know, because the world of wine communication has certainly evolved greatly. And I'm fascinated by how you can communicate so effectively, you know, utilizing different platforms. Mark, that is a great question. Actually, no one's actually asked me that before, which is quite stunning. Um, I think it probably is, and I've actually not even thought about it. But actually having that background, when COVID-19 hit, no one was doing IGTV lives in the UK. And I'd already had started to build up a platform doing it. So that's where it sort of snowballed for me. that I was already using this platform 
And when we all got locked away, sadly, and and that terrible two years span of, of being locked indoors, I'd already had a, a head start and I'd already been doing and using these platforms. So that probably did send me in good stead to where I am now. And actually, that's a really great question. Mark. I never really thought that that background made me actually already have this in mind to actually start IGTV Live and using Instagram and using different media. So that is a really good question. Well, it is really interesting because, you know, particularly for me, I'm a little bit older than you, Brad. You know, I've, I've been... Only a few years, <laughs> only a few years. <laughs> only a few years. Just a number, mate. And it's, uh, it's fascinating to me to see a completely new world of wine communication that's evolved and actually evolved very, very quickly. I'm interested to hear, Brad, that you really got into this during COVID, during that time, which was a terrible time, but which also gave us all the opportunity to explore new things. You know, we're in our homes and we could play around a bit because we had that enforced time. And you use that time very wisely to begin to build up what is now your profession. Totally, Mark. And then that is, you mentioned my friends, they believe I have one of the best jobs in the world. And as you in the wine industry, yes, it is a super job, but it is still work sometimes. But it's a job that I love. And my dad always said to me when I was younger, find something you love to do and do it and that make it your job. So that's what I've done now. And actually, I've been quite fortunate. So yeah, <laughs> I think we probably both say the same. It's, it is work and it is hard sometimes, but it's, it's a great profession to be in. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody does think that you're just going to drink wine and go to tastings all day and, and have a good time. But it is uh, you, to do what you're doing, uh, to do what any of you know the wine communicators we know well together, friends, mutual friends, people we respect, people who have been doing this a long time. To build a profession out of is dedication and hard work. I know sometimes we've met in London and I'm seeing you and then you're rushing off to another tasting and maybe even another one after that. You'll sometimes do multiple events on the same day. So I know you're working hard running around town, but building up a massive portfolio of content, which is what it's all about, isn't it? It totally, Mark. And then that's what it is. And I'm lucky that I do live in London, just, well, southwest London. So it's, it's 25 minutes to, to anywhere central. So for me, and having that, you said two or three tastings, sometimes four or five. But for me, it's also about the content, but also we're probably going to get to this a bit later, being a judge for several competitions around the world, having these portfolio tastings and being able to just educate my palate and just keep, keep learning, keep, keep tasting because wines evolve, styles evolve and having this helps me. So that is work as well. If I'm not work, not a paid job or not a job, it's still work because I'm training my palate for later events, for later judging. So really it's so important to get to these other events and I find it is a, a really great tool for when I'm judging I go back to those tastings and what I tried and have a a sense of what the wine should taste like yeah yeah I understand what you're saying now Brad is Instagram your most important platform you have 12 and a half thousand followers which is an amazing number of people to be speaking to yeah it is the main platform that I use there are other platforms starting to appear and they come and go but I think Instagram for me is the platform that I use readily because I think it showcases what I like 
about social media, be that imagery, be that video, be that some written text as well, because I think that's so important. But for me, I'm a verbal communicator and I like to use my hands, use the landscape, use the people around me. And and actually, I think that's quite important for me as a communicator that people get to see me and my honesty and my openness and if I'm smiling about a wine they they've seen that smile before and they know I like it and and hopefully they will too. That is interesting that it's your style is very much based around you and people trusting you and you're able to communicate in concise short information filled bits. I'm always amazed at how much content you can fit into a very short amount of space, whether it's a video or it's uh, through your written text. But the visuals are very important, aren't they? Totally. I think that's helps for, I don't want to generalize everyone, but a younger audience, getting them into wine, getting them into communication, to learning, to enjoying wine. I think that we are visual learners. I'm a visual learner. And there's a lot more visual learners around now that I think having this visual platform really helps them feel that like they can be part of the wine world. I love reading books. I love listening to podcasts. But some people may be a bit, find it a bit daunting to pick up a, a wine book. The Jancis Robson Atlas of Wine is a wonderful book, but some people might feel a bit daunted about picking this book up. And hopefully with this, it does give them the platform to feel like, actually, I can do that after a year or six months. I think, yeah, I'm in wine now. I can go and pick up books and know what these books are all about. Yeah, I understand that. And actually, you've answered the question I was about to ask. I was going to explore the way you use reels as opposed to communicating through static images. But I'm really guessing that your most important way is through your voice, through talking, through making these videos and reels, and also using stories. Totally. And it is, it's about, yeah, people trusting me, my voice. As Mark, you're a podcast host. Your voice is so important. I like the fact that Instagram, I can use my voice, but I can also use my body language. And I think that's so important that your body language can speak a lot about what's going on. Are you really enjoying it or are you just saying it? So I think people get to trust me because they know what I'm like on the camera. And then when they meet me, off camera they realize that I'm exactly the same I'm the same person behind the camera or in front of it taking the picture actually that's absolutely true Brad you present exactly as you are in person and that's really nice because I think people watching feel that they're almost a friend but through watching your videos and when they actually meet you then they probably do become friends totally I'm, I'm a fr- I'm a friendly person most of the time Mark so anyone wants to chat about wine or about anything I'm I can give them a few minutes or or hours if, if they need it sure now Brad we just talked about some of these technical aspects about your work well I think what's more exciting is the content itself so tell me what excites you most about wine and what are your current enthusiasms? Well, um, we're probably going to dive into Italy a bit later, but I do have a passion for Italian wine and Italy itself. Every time I go back to Italy on a press trip, work or holiday, I always find something super exciting. Amazing wines from amazing makers and producers, small producers and large. And I was in um, Lake Tresemino in the, in the centre of Italy, in uh, between Umbria and Tuscany. And there's a Grenache there. It's a wonderful wine, super vibrant, fresh, crunchy. And I found that these wines really showcase what 
drinkability is in red wine. And I was honestly amazed by this small producer producing these wonderful wines in this beautiful backdrop. And that's what excites me, Mark. But Italian wine, it's just every time I go back, there's someone else, some other grape that I might have not known that just sparks my interest. And I went with my family and they they saw that big beaming grin on my face when I tried this wine. They're like, my wife said to me, Brad, you really enjoyed that. And I said, it's, it's outstanding. Like, this, is what, this is what I got into wine for, to have that excitement. Wine to Wine Business Forum. Everything you need to get ahead in the world of wine. Supersize your business network. Share business ideas with the biggest voices in the industry. Join us in Verona on November 13 to 14, 2023. Tickets available now at pointwine.net. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about and how Italy as a country always excites and always something new to discover. But we'll return to that, Brad. I'd like to explore that a little bit further. Let's go back to something you mentioned previously, the fact that you're often judging in competitions, both here in the UK as well as internationally. How valid are awards for both producers and for consumers, for wine drinkers? I get asked this question quite a lot, Mark, and it's actually every time I answer it, I actually come up with a different answer because I actually ask producers and consumers the question as well, what they get out of it and what they see as the most important thing. I'm going to start with consumers. Um, I think for them, it's it's sort of a guideline. And we spoke about that trust. So if they see my name, I judged in that awards and my stickers on there, they might say, Brad, did you judge this? Award they mentioned me on Instagram. I've, I've got a, an IWC or a five five star wines tag, and I'm like, yeah, I did actually. I was on that panel, and I got to try that wine, and yeah, we did give it a silver or a gold, and it was fantastic. And that's important for them to have sort of a guideline and a trust and trust the competition because they realise every time I've tried a wine from that competition and it's got 95 points or a gold medal, it's been amazing. So then they build up that trust there. But on the flip side, for producers, I actually think it's a justification, yes, when they get a gold medal or a high score. But actually, recently, I've actually found it more beneficial to producers that don't get a medal or don't get a high score. And I seem to be writing more notes, feedback of why they didn't get a medal. So actually, I think even for producers that don't get these high scores or win, having that why didn't we get it? How can we improve? What do you think we need to do? What's next? What, and actually, that that's just as important, Mark, as the gold medals for me. And actually, I speak to other producers that say, if we win, it's fantastic. If we don't, like a pinch of salt, we, we're not going to take it too to heart because on the day, it just might have not been singing. We all taste wines, Mark. You've tasted many wines, so have I. That one day, it's absolutely outstanding. And then the next day, it just can feel a bit flat. So I think that the day is quite important as well. So some producers, they get it, some don't. And I think some take it with a pinch of salt. But for me, it is really important just as a guideline for consumers of what these wines are and what they should be like. Yes, absolutely. I understand what you mean from both the producer and the consumer side. We were both judges at Five Star Wines, which was an incredible experience, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I really loved the competition. I've now been judging for the last three years there. And for me, 
It's the community behind it. It's obviously the whole judging process and the seriousness of it. Every person in that room brings a different quality and aspect to the of the wine world. And that's what I really love about Five Star. I think it really showcases the best of Italy, Italian wine, but also the best of people talking about Italian wine or drinking Italian wine or hosting Italian wine or winemakers and enologists. So for me, that's what Five Star is. It's it's a very different style of competition because it brings so many people from so many different backgrounds. They're all at the top of their game and the top of their profession, but they all come in and we all bring something else to the table when you're judging wines. And I think that's why it's such a wonderful competition. Yeah, I agree. And just to explain to our listeners, I think there were about 80 judges this year, and those would have been Italian winemakers, Italian sommeliers, foreign journalists, Italian wine ambassadors, wine communicators such as yourself. And we broke down into teams of five and discussed every single wine that we tasted in flights of, well, I don't remember how many wines. I think we were tasting about 70 or 80 a day. It was quite a marathon over those two days. And over that course of two days, some 2,200 wines were tasted. So it was an extraordinary organizational feat for Five Star to do this, to present the wines. If a wine was defective in any way, cork, they had spare bottle to bring out. And we did exactly what you said, Brad. We discussed the wines that had over 90 points, which made it into the five-star book, but also the wines that didn't quite make it. We gave reasons why they didn't quite make it in order to help the producers. So I hope it was helpful for producers, and certainly it will be helpful for consumers because it was a very rigorous, serious tasting. But afterwards, it was a lot of fun, too, because we got together for some dinners and and met such an amazing group of people. Totally. And then that's what it's about for me, Five Star, the Italian wine community. It really is that sense of, yes, when we're there to judge, it's work and we're all heads down, we're passionate. And if we have a different sense of opinion, yes, I'm going to hear you out, but you're going to hear me out and we're going to come to a consensus of where we feel this wine should be. But it's afterwards as well, that community spirit, that networking, that camaraderie that I don't find in many other walks of the wine world. And that's why I absolutely love being in Verona. Did you stay for opera wine and vin Italy? I didn't, I'm afraid, because this year it was my daughter's birthday. It fell on my daughter's birthday, so I had to fly back. Oh, you know me, Mark, family first. Obviously, I love wine, but family first. I'm a family man. Absolutely. That's quite right. But as you've already mentioned, Italian wine is one of your main areas of interest and expertise. And you were touching on what you most love about Italian wine, about being in Italy. So tell us a little bit more about this busman's holiday. You spend your life tasting wines, going to tastings. And when you have a family holiday, what do you do? Of course, you go to Italy, you go to wine regions, and you bring your family to meet producers, not just for the tastings of the wines, but because you know what a rich and fun experience that will be for all of you, even your children. Totally, Mark. And that's probably why we the last four years we've actually been to Italy for our summer holidays be that different regions last year it was more in the north this was more in the central part and you've got it perfect you hit it on the nail on the head there Mark for me it's the people behind the wine and the people of the country when I bring my children along they feel like they're part of the family and it's not some places you go in the world when you bring children to these tastings to these 
events, they can be sort of, oh my God, there's kids here. What's that? But in Italy, it's so family focused and centric that it felt like they wanted them to be there. I went to one producer, a very big producer, and I took the kids and I was a bit scared that maybe, oh, they might feel a bit out of place. Honestly, on our tour mark, there was more children than there were adults, which was fantastic. I felt so warm and everyone did. And the host of the event was literally more about the kids. Obviously, we got the information we needed and got to try the wines, but the kids were the focus. And that's what I love about Italian people, Italian wine and everything around Italy that is so family centric. And if I bring my kids along, it's just another guest and they're going to look after them. And it's done in such a natural way. They're not accommodating the children in any way. For Italians, it's totally natural. The children are there and wine and talking about food and introducing young people of whatever age to wine is just the way life is, the way life should be. Totally, Mark. And that's, you just, again, said how I felt that it was about their opinions as well. It's not like they're just there because mum and dad are there because they're a person and they're, if they're interested, telling them the stories, be it a bit of history, because my daughter's really interested in history. My son's interested in geography and he was out in the vineyards. And that's what it's about, finding what they're into. And it all relates back to wine in the end. But they were so focused on making sure they enjoy it, because then if they enjoy it, we enjoy it. Yes, absolutely. And that's really nice to hear that your children found areas of interest through wine that excites them too. Absolutely. And yeah, who knows what the future holds for them. Um, Whenever we go to a vineyard, they are very excited still, which is amazing. And hopefully that long continue. When I began, my book, The Wine Roads of Italy, came out in 1991 and my son was two years old then. So we spent a year traveling all around Italy with him and he's now 35. And I'll tell you, he loves, he absolutely loves wine, always has and, uh, and food. So if you instill this love from an early age it will stick it'll be a great gift to give them for the rest of their lives well i'm touching my head i know people can't see me but touch wood as you say in the uk (laughs) yeah now of course your time in italy wasn't just about uh, tasting and drinking wines it was also about wines and foods and enjoying that the way italian gastronomy is so regional so specific to each corner that you happen to be in not even Tuscany, but whether you're in the Chianti Classico or in Bulgarion or in the Maremma, food and wine combinations are really unique. Did you come across any particular favorites that you enjoyed? I always say this, and I'm quite lucky as you are, I get to travel around Italy for press trips and holidays. And there are a few, the last few years that I've really been Honestly, it's a light bulb moment. And one of them is a very simple one. It is Wild Boar, Ragu and Chianti Classico. I think when Chianti Classico is perfect and served at the right temperature, which is very important, sometimes we get it wrong in the UK, it's beautiful and it can be quite refreshing and have texture. So that's one pairing that I always share with family. Oh, that's that's a very good one. And with that ragù di cinghiale on pappadelle, on the thick noodles. Oh, yes, absolutely. You've hit it on the head. And I had a lovely bowl of that in Siena, on the square there. And my son actually stole my uh, the ragù. And, and then he said, this is wonderful, Dad. So I, he, didn't, he only smelt the wine, but he enjoyed the ragù. 
<laughs> oh, that's a great one. What about anything else? Any other? Yeah, to be honest, I actually really was. It was last year I was in Val d'Obiadene in, in the north. So we're going back to the north now, trying Prosecco DOCG Val d'Obiadene. And for me, shellfish and Prosecco are an absolute winning combination, especially when you go to DOCG levels. So from Val d'Obiadene or Corneliano, this region here, the wines are just a bit more focused and a bit more precise. And for me, work beautifully well with shellfish. I'm a huge fan of good Prosecco with good shellfish. I think it's a wonderful pairing. Oh, that's a great idea, a great combination. I'm thinking of those Vongole Veracci from the Venetian Lagoon, for example. Well, one more I absolutely love. And a, a fellow wine communicator, Adriano, works for Cantina Social. He got me into this. And it's just an afternoon charcuterie board and just a bottle of uh, Moscato de Asti. I'm a big fan of of that, of a, a Friday afternoon. So that might be my uh, Friday afternoon drink. Well, that's an interesting one, Brad. I never would have thought of that. Moscato d'Asti is such a delightful, refreshing. It's the only wine that actually tastes as if you've taken a handful of grapes and squeezed them in your hand and, and you're drinking that fragrance. Absolutely. It works wonderfully well with that sweetness and that acidity and works so well with different flavors and the saltiness of the meat and some cheese and just the conversation. It's just a delightful wine on a sunny day with a charcuterie board and a bottle of Moscato d'Asti. I'm, I'm all over that on a, a Friday uh, aperitivo. Oh my goodness. I'm going to have to give that a crack, Brad. That sounds a a really nice way to spin out. And in fact, today's Friday, isn't it? It is indeed. Perhaps. <laughs> That's a good idea. So, Brad, what's next for you? For me, I see all this wonderful content, this content in concise bits, in the reels, in the videos. And I'm a book writer. I work in a longer format. And I would like to see some of this repurposed in a way that, you know, you can make more permanent. Is that something that you'd like to do or is that not really the focus or important for you I, I, in the future mark that might be a road i'd like to go down i think at the moment i'm so busy with the content that i'm trying to create now and it is short and sharp and snappy and educational but just it gets it out there i've got some bigger projects working with regional bodies and country bodies as well coming up which will hopefully take those long form aspects and people can actually see a longer piece of content which i'm really looking forward to so that's coming in the future but i think at the moment i think it's more of these short sharp snappy i'm off to tuscany again in october piemonte to talk old vines in november and obviously a different country i'm off to rioja this month to talk about some old vines there so yeah i'm, I'm really busy but um yeah i think these long short form aspects of communication is where I'll be for the for the foreseeable future. Well, I like it. As I say, it's a format that is relatively new to me. I'm, as I say, I've come from a different, um, a different background, but I really like it. I'm really impressed with how much communication, how much knowledge, how much expertise and how much entertainment, which is also important, can be achieved within this format. So I Wish you all the best as you carry on with this. Brad, we last met actually here in Devon, uh, just down the road from where I live here in Topsham on the X. We were at Limston Manor for an extraordinary afternoon helping Michael Keynes to determine the dosage levels for the Limston Manor Estate Classic Cuvée, which will be released next month. 
English wine has been incredible over the last decade as perhaps climate change, definitely, but just the evolution of English wine. It's been very exciting, hasn't it? Totally, Mark. It's it's actually another one of my passions. And luckily, I live in the UK and I'm from London. But the quality levels over the last five years have shot up. And it was the Wine GB trade tasting on Tuesday here in London. And again, the level of quality, sparkling wine, yes, but actually now still wines. You mentioned climate change. Yes, it's benefiting producers here. And you can see that the quality of the still wines are improving extramentally but it's the sparkling wine still on a world level compete with champagne franciacorta and some of the best sparkling wines of the world so yes that was a wonderful day and michael's a good friend of yours and a friend of mine and amazing to be able to be there when they're doing these dosage trials how much sugar are they putting in the sparkling wine it's absolutely fantastic to see firsthand well actually what was fascinating brad i think we sampled seven different dosage and there was only a single gram difference per liter in the dosage and it made such a difference it really is incredible that because obviously we're not winemakers mark we get we're lucky we get to talk to them and be around them but actually to see it firsthand it was fascinating and actually just gives you another jolt of wow there's so much more i could learn and be involved with it was yeah absolutely and it was great to have james and sarah from lime bay winery there explaining things alongside michael too that was a great experience for me it's actually talking to communicators from around the world italy in particular very interested in english wine british wine in fact to What's the future and what's it going to be like in another 10 years? Because the trajectory has just gone through the roof. So it's super exciting, Mark. And I know we can talk more about English wine maybe another time. Yes, that's that would be good. Brad, I don't know where we'll next meet, but I'm sure it'll be over a good glass or two of something exciting to sample. I look forward to it. Always, Mark. Always great to talk to you. A pleasure. In the meantime, thanks so much for being my guest today. I've really enjoyed catching up with you, and I hope we meet up soon. See you soon, Mark. Thanks, Brad. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Wine, Food, and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe right here or wherever you get your pods. Likewise, you can visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Until next time, chin chin.